When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Everybody, welcome back to our podcast. I got Chris and Uriah here. We just finished up our fantasy basketball draft for the season for our website. And of course, Sixers basketball is just around the corner. Season starts October 19th. We are recording that Sunday. It is a lot of exciting stuff to talk about tonight, right, guys? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, Uriah, do you want to start us off with this? We should probably go over our fantasy teams a bit. Uh, how are you feeling? I feel good about my team. I, I made it a point to draft Embiid with my first pick, and I know in the list they had him way down at 15. So I uh, picked him first, ended up picking LeBron James second. I like my my lineup. I, I, I had a moment of panic, though, because I was looking at a player. I forget who it was. And then I scrolled up and I scrolled down, and the time was running down. And it was like, hurry up and pick. And the red flashing, so I picked Kyle Kuzma. So if you guys are wondering why he picked Kyle Kuzma so hot, it was like a panic. <laughs> it was a panic. <laughs> it's okay. My, I had a panic pick, too. Mine was Kelly Olenek, who I'm planning on waving. So, yeah. yeah. we. I'm pretty sure we all had at least one panic pick. Yeah. Mine was Steven Adams. That's not a bad pick, though. It's not. Uh, yeah, I didn't really want him, though, because I, I didn't really want Miles Turner, either. But I have them now. I, I know which big man you do want. Guys, literally, as soon as the draft ended, I get a notification. You got a no trade request from Beatball Paul. Go ahead, Chris. Tell everybody who you're trying to poach off my team already. Well, Evan Mobley, because you're being rude. Oh, how am I being him. rude? <laughs> he is offering you Scotty Barnes. Your boy. Sc- I mean, I like Scotty Barnes, but here's the thing. I don't know what type of role he's going to have. I know for a fact that Evan Mobley is the third best player on that team already. Siakam's out. So Scotty's going to get a lot of playing time early, and he's going to establish a role. And B, I also offered you Miles Turner. I like Miles, but I also don't don't think he's going to be maximized as long as him and Sabonis are in a front court. Like, there are nights where Miles Turner gets like seven or eight points. No, thank you. I'm good. I'll take my risk with Evan Mobley right now. Um, Um, All right, well. I, I was able to sneak in a really uh, good pick, and we have an IR slot, slot in our fantasy team. So if a team players like injured injured long term, we can uh, get them. I I was so close close to getting Clay Thompson, but I was like, no, he'll be there next round. I'm gonna go get Sadiq Bay now, and then get Clay afterwards because I was afraid Sadiq Bay wouldn't be there. 
And then next pick, somebody chooses Clay Thompson. And forget would, who. That would be me. You chose Clay. Oh, you jerk. I would be me. Hey, who got Ben Simmons? It was uh, an auto pick. It was an auto pick. Oh, it was? It was oh, I yeah. was so, so close to picking him. I was going to pick him that time, too, to be honest with you. I was like, I'm going to pick him. Why not? Let's I, roll, let's roll the dice. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it was between him and Zach Levine, and I went with Levine. But I was I was on the edge there. Um, I will say, I, got, I, I think I got a really good sleeper this time, guys. And I'm going to say it's Jordan Poole because he looked really good in the preseason, and Clay's going to be out for at least until, like, December. And I think he'll they'll shift him to a six-man role, but – him averaging like 14 to 16 points a game coming off the bench, not unrealistic. And honestly, hot take. I think he's a better fit in the starting five with Clay versus Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I, I think Poole's pretty cool. Uh, um, I did not like the centers that I drafted. I wish I could have done a little bit better in my center drafting. I got Clint Capella, who's really good fantasy-wise. Jaron Jackson Jr., kind of a iffy one. Like I said, I panicked with Olenek, but I, I got a guy in free agency I'm, I'm aiming for. I'm not going to tell you guys. And then I got Mitchell Robinson with the last draft uh, pick, which I think is a steal. Then Evan Mobley as well. So I, I don't think I did terrible there. I got I got KD and Jason Tatum with my first two picks. And then I got Devin Booker and Capella with my second two picks. I, I think I did good overall. Yeah, I think that was pretty good. Uh, just to wrap this up, my I had the number one pick. Unfortunately, I picked Jokic. I think my second pick was De'Aaron Fox. Uh, That's not bad. It's not. Fox probably shouldn't have dropped that far. But I'll take it. Yeah, there were some guys that went higher than I expected in that draft for sure. Somebody actually selected uh, Tyrese Maxey. I I mean, now with Ben, we'll talk more about Ben here in a minute. But I don't know if I would have picked Maxey. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Let's just talk about Ben now. we are recording this Sunday night. Ben, of course, practiced with the team for the first time this season, Sunday afternoon. He was not present um, for the media availability at the end, but he did practice, went through scrimmages. Doc said, quote, he was just one of the players today. So how surprised are we? What do we feel about that, Lucas? Um, what are our general thoughts there? I mean, it's good. I guess in terms of, you know, if, if we're trying to get him back onto the court and trying to get him to build up his trade value, then sure. I don't have any problem with it. It sounds like the practice with went off without any hitches. None of the team teammates seem to really have any personal, at least voiced any personal issues with Ben on the court. So yeah, no, I, I think that's fine. I like, I'm not, I'm not hating it. So I, <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it because, like, you know, there's been this whole entire holdout and then they're just like, oh, welcome back, Ben. And as a fan, I don't know how to feel about it because, like, I don't want him there. I think it's better if him, he and the team are separate. But, like, this is the path that they're taking. So I, I got to try to talk myself into being behind it now, I guess, at least in the short term. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I, I mean, obviously it's better that they have them versus not having them as, as long as he's on the team, we can argue about whether or not a trade should have been made by now, but if he's going to be on the team, it's better that he's playing, uh, it makes them a better team and helps them on both sides of the ball. Uh, like you said, doesn't seem like there are any big hitches so far in getting him reacclimated 
Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. He's supposedly going to talk to the media either Monday or Tuesday, which will be interesting to say the least. Uh, that might be when, you know, any circus moments kick in is once Ben says stuff publicly. Uh, we'll see what the temperature of the room is then. But as of now, it seems like he's trending towards playing. So Lucas, if Simmons does play in the opener on Wednesday, which they have not confirmed yet, there's a chance he doesn't. But if he does, how do you think Rivers is going to manage his minutes? He has mentioned multiple times that Simmons is still reconditioning, still getting back into game shape. And do you think he's going to change his role at all? That's a tough one, Chris. I, I honestly don't know. And to go on the minutes thing, he said he's in pretty decent shape, but he's not game ready yet, which that's more than fair considering that he missed all of preseason. But that's the million dollar question that I'm thinking of right now. Do you change Ben's position? Is he still the team's point guard or do you slide him down to a forward position? And if you do, does that still mean Maxi starting? That, that's that's the real question. You could do it. I'm not saying you should, but you, you could do it in a world where, you know, you have Ben as more of a playmaking four. Tobias as a three. It doesn't matter defensively what they... Tobias is still going to guard fours, to be clear. But offensively, Ben would be a four. Tobias would be a three. Maxi would be running the show. And pick your poison of who you would want to start at that fifth starter spot, whether it be Danny Green or Seth Curry my inclination would probably be more Curry just because you need more offense. But, I mean, defensively, you know, obviously, it depends on what Doc wants to do. But if if you do change Ben's position, you're going to have to start uh, Tyrese Maxey. And that, right then, you have a problem with point guard depth. Yeah, I I think for now you got to stick with the same starting five. Ideally, in an ideal world, Ben plays next to another, like, perimeter playmaker slash point guard. Um you know, a Kyle Lowry type or something, but I don't yeah. know if Maxie's that good yet. It's I'm still kind of in wait and see mode. I think he can be that good, but I don't know if he should be starting day one over Curry and Danny Green yet. This floor spacing would be an issue with uh, Maxie because either he's hot or cold from downtown. Right yeah, now. but I, I do agree that you stagger things. I think Maxie and Simmons would see a lot of time together in that second unit if Doc really does use the Bennett five lineups that he's sort of talked about with mm-hmm. meeting at the four and Harris at the three, then I, I think those could be really successful offensively. We'll see how it looks defensively. Probably not very good. But offensively, that's going to be a really powerful unit. Um, I mean, but... you would have Niang guard the fives on defense, and assuming that you have to Harris get some rest. Yeah. you got Clark Maz, Isaiah Joe, and Tyrese Maxey along with Ben and Niang. That's... That's a pretty exciting unit, to be honest. And if you really wanted to go all in on the shooting round, Ben, you know, you swap Tyrese and uh, Curry for, and then you really just go all in on that shooting. Yeah, again, like offensively, that's fine. Defensively, it's probably not very good. Um, Considering that Joe would be the second best defender in that unit, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's just... They've really struggled defensively every time they've tried to put Ben at the five. That's just been a consistent problem with those units. I don't think it'll get better with Niang, though Niang is an upgrade oh, over Mike Scott. Scott in every yeah. possible way. But yeah, I, I think we'll see a pretty similar role. I expect him to lead like the team in assists and stuff still. He's still going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, defensively, he's still going to guard the other team's best player. 
we'll see how like engaged and peppy and how how hard he's competing. But in an ideal world, you know, he's out there doing what he normally does, and the Sixers are still a really good team with him on the floor for as long as he's on the floor. Um, so Tobias was asked after the game about whether or not there was a bit of an awkward vibe with Ben coming back to the team. He said, quote, we have an opening to our season coming coming up. Truth be told, that's honestly where our focus is. We're growing men here. This is not middle school, seventh grade, eighth grade. Oh, you did this to me. You did this. Nah, as soon as we step on the floor, it's just basketball. And honestly, that's the way it should be. We're here for one thing. That's to be the best team we can and compete. So what do we feel about that, Lucas? Do we believe him? Do we think it was not as awkward as, as Tobias is saying? Do we think it was more awkward? What What are your thoughts there? I think I read something recently to where essentially, um, actually, you know what? It was Tom Moore and it's in our agenda here. Um, uh, basically where the team jokingly reintroduced Ben. So I think there was a, a little bit of lightheartedness there, but in terms of like, I mean, I'm sure there was some tension. I would assume there'd be some between Joel, Joel and Ben because obviously comments made by both sides. I think Joel's going to, you know, despite his whatever issues he has with Ben, I think he's mature enough now to where he won't let that impact of practice, at least one can hope. So I think there is pretty substantial truth to this. Now, I, I don't believe there was zero tension, but I think as practice went on, there was probably less and less yeah, and I'm I'm not even sure if Tobias was implying that there's zero tension. I'm sure there is some awkwardness. Um, I I generally speaking, I don't think there's really any ill will between Ben and his teammates, or vice versa. Obviously, the Joel relationship is probably a little strained at this point, and that's where my biggest concern would be. But every indication so far is that Joel is happy to wait out this Ben Simmons situation, however it plays out. You know, he's willing to be patient. Um, it seems like him and Maury are on the same wavelength there. So not really a lot of concern for me there. It can get awkward if Ben chooses to make it awkward. But short of that, I, I think everyone will be fine and will mm -hmm. probably be over it once the season gets rolling. At least they will. Mm -hmm. And there is genuine love for him on that team. Cork Moss talked about it today how he loves playing with Ben and we've heard Seth and Danny Green talk about how they love playing with Ben too. So there is genuine love for Ben in that locker room despite all these issues. And it makes sense that Corkmaz probably would be the biggest Ben supporter because they came in the league in the same draft year uh both first round picks. I think Corkmaz what was he the 26th pick of that draft or the 24th? Mhm. 26th. 26th, yep. So I mean there obviously the connection between those two is strong. And let's face it, Quark Maz looks a lot better with Ben on the court versus, well, actually that one preseason game could you could argue, but point being is yeah, I don't I think there is love for Ben in that pre in that locker room, and uh, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, look, like at the end of the day, it's this is just not an ideal situation. Of course, there's going to be awkward moments. There's going to be some level of tension and discomfort with the fact that Ben still openly wants out. But like Tobias said, like these guys are grown ups. It's it's not middle school, it's not high school. They can handle their emotions pretty well, I'd say. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um now I could eat those words in two weeks when everything blows up and but until then I optimistically I'm gonna say it it's fine. It is what it is. 
It's like that. It's like that meme where it's like that dog with a business hat, and he's in the middle of the room on fire, and it's like everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Let's talk about the final preseason loss against the Detroit Pistons. A lot of players were out that game. Joel, Tobias, Shake. Uh, I don't think Matisse played either. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Grant Riller was out still. Danny Green did not play. And, of course, Ben didn't play. wasn't in condition yet. So, yeah, there were a lot of players out. Starting five was Maxi Curry, Maz, Niang, and Drummond. Drummond had a homecoming of sorts. Got booed a lot in the game. I was kind of surprised about that. I didn't think there was any ill will there. There shouldn't be. It, there shouldn't be. Good. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like that. I I actually was watching it on League Pass, and even the Pistons announcers, were, uh, the you know broadcasters, were like, "Why are they booing him? It doesn't make sense." Like he, you know, players that stood out in the game. Of course, Maxi um, had sixteen points, two three assists. Drummond had um, 17 and 7. Your boy B-Ball Paul had 7 and 7 plus 2 steals, 2 blocks. Isaiah Joe had 14 points off the bench, 50% shooting from the field and 3-point line. And yeah, those were the main standouts. Everybody else scored in single digits. Um, Any takeaways for you, Chris, in that game? I mean, you know, preseason is preseason. A lot of guys were out, so there's not really any overarching takeaways we can have. You know, again, Isaiah Joe had four good preseason games, um, especially with Shake being out for a stretch of time. There's really no excuse for him not to play on opening night and beyond opening night. I expect him to. I think he's earned that chance. Um, you know, Drummond has had a really strong preseason as well. Uh, like, the booing was weird, but he, he was really good in this game. 17 on 7 of 11 shooting. Um, Paul Reed continues to look pretty pretty great for a third-string center. Um, Furkan, not his best night, but I, I, I think overall there are just some, some good positives. Obviously, Detroit won. Detroit had more of their starters. They had the better group of players out there, but Philly kept it close. It was a pretty competitive game in that second half, mm-hmm. and you know the second unit looks good. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the second unit looks good. Charles Bassey put in a good night, actually hit a three-pointer, two blocks, one rebound, seven points in about ten minutes. Uh, Jaden Springer, yet again, looked like an 18-year-old kid on that court. Four points on two of six shooting, three rebounds, one assist. Shaquille Harrison looked did not look bad, and I'll say he uh, he got waived, and he will be playing for the Bluecoats this year. But um, would not be surprised if he's going to be on somebody's 10-day contract radar in the near future. Um, whenever the, I think those become available in, is it December or January? I think it's January, I want to say 10th, 6th, 6th. Um, not 100% sure on that. Um, on the other side, of course, former Sixer Jeremy Grant looks like he picked up where he left off. 24 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. Isaiah Stewart looks like he's going to have a strong uh, sophomore campaign. Um, besides that, I mean, there weren't too many standouts. Kelly Olenek looked good. Uh, Josh Jackson didn't look terrible in that game. Uh, anything from Detroit Detroit side you would like to touch on? Uh, nah, not really. You know, Jeremy okay. Green's really good. I, I think he's like still a bit underrated at this point, but not really. Nah. 
Um, let's talk a bit more about Tobias, who has not played a game since October 7th against the Raptors because of quote-unquote knee soreness. That generally um, is a pretty vague injury term. Um, he said today after practice, this is the first time he's practiced in a while as well, I think, uh, my knee is feeling better. I felt good out there, so we'll see how it reacts tomorrow and go from there day by day. I would say it's pretty safe to assume that he will play opening night on Wednesday, but not 100% sure there yet, obviously. But Lucas, how crucial is Tobias this year, given all the uncertainty around Ben, whether he will continue to play, how long he'll be with the team, etc.? How important is a strong year from Tobias? I mean, every year is an important year for Tobias, especially with the contract that he's on, you know, not to any fault of his own, you know, if they offer you $180 million over five years, you never turn it down. That being said, the public expectation of Tobias is always going to be, Oh, he's overpaid. Um, he has a season like he did last year near 50, 40, 90 averaging about 20 points per game, seven rebounds, three assists. I mean, I think fans would be pretty happy. Um, I think as long as he's healthy and he's, proven to be a pretty durable player for the most part for his career. I don't really think he's missed any significant length of time due to injury. So that should be comforting for Sixers fans. Um, but uh, that being said, um, you know, obviously he is important without him. They don't really have a, a second go-to score. Ben has proven that he doesn't want to be that here in Philly, or at least he, I don't think he can be that with Joel on the floor. Or, you know, semantics there. And Tyrese Maxey isn't ready. Seth Curry could do it for a playoff series, but he hasn't proven that he can do it for, you know, a prolonged stretch in the regular season. So can't believe it until you see it with Seth. And so, I mean, it's he's very important. He's their second best scorer. And, you know, he's a legit, like, efficient scorer. Now, is he as good as Jeremy Grant, who we just talked about previously, uh, you know, in the previous section and uh, on previous podcasts? Probably not, but that's okay. He's still one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA and can can occasionally close out a game for the team as well, which is important. So, yes, it is paramount that he's uh, going to be able to play the majority of games this year. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, obviously Tobias is essential to anything Philly tries to do. Joel is the centerpiece of this team. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to field a bad team without Joel on the floor. Tobias is a guy whose absence they can cover for, I think, more than Ben's, frankly. like Ben's clearly more important when he's on. But Tobias is, is as you said, a 20-point-per-game scorer, almost 50-40-90 last season. I would say my concern is, like, last season was pretty close to, like, the optimal performance you could get out of Tobias. If he's not as good this season, if he, like, comes back, down to earth a bit i'd be interested to see how the team reacts again as long as joel and hopefully ben are out there they'll be fine but i'm interested to see if he can keep it up i i'm not sure that he can because he was just really good last year on a really consistent basis and that has not always been what we've gotten out of tobias in philly or frankly in other places too he's always been good but last season was obviously his best year yet so that's where any concern would be with me, but obviously just super important offensively to this team. Um, mm. So, Lucas, do do we think he can be an all-star this season? Do we think it, it's going to happen finally? 
if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have given you better optimism. But with Ben back, and to be clear, I don't think Ben will be an all-star either. I wrote about it. It's on the website, guys. Read it. But I, I think Philly only gets one all-star this year, and it's going to be Joel. I, Tobias, there's just so many good power forwards in the East. You got uh, Sabonis. You have Julius Randle. You got Jason Tatum. You got Giannis. I, you know, you could put Bam into that category, I guess, of front court players. There's so many good front court players in the East. And, you know, Vucevic isn't going anywhere. So I, I just don't, I see it harder for him to get it. And the East guards are getting better. And with Ben, and I'll, I know it's not on the agenda, but let me just say this real quick. Unless Ben has a career year, I don't see him getting the fan vote. I don't think Sixers vote for him, to be honest, right now. And coaches, if it comes down between Ben and another guy, let's say Malcolm Brogdon or LaMelo Ball, like they might side with those players just because of all the drama and diva niche that, you know, Ben has shown this offseason. So... I I think Joel's going to be the only all-star on the team this year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I don't think coaches really care about that, like the drama stuff, frankly. Maybe I'm wrong, but like Ben, there's a good chance Ben is splitting time between two teams for the all-star break. That generally makes it pretty weird and difficult to get onto an all-star team unless you're a really like top-level star. Like James Harden? Yeah, and also like, I'm not entirely convinced he's going to come out, you know, guns blazing at 100% of what we're used to seeing from him. Um, We shall see. Uh, I'm sure he'll still be a decent quality, probably all-star level player, so to speak. But I don't know if he's going to be putting together his best NBA season yet. Even last year, we were kind of getting on the borderline. He had a bit of a down year offensively. Uh, So I I agree. Ben's probably not going to make it. I don't think Tobias is going to make it. It, it's possible if Ben decides suddenly to like sit out and Tobias is your number two and the Sixers win a lot of games. Then yeah, sure. then, then yeah, yeah, exactly. If if the Sixers are a top three team in the East and Tobias is producing at the same level he was last year without Ben, then yeah, you you could make a legit argument for him to be an All Star. Sure. Hey, shout yeah. out to shout out to Tobias Harris for getting a an endorsement deal with KFC. Did you guys see uh, that? No, I didn't, but I would love to see commercials with him and Bobby. That well, was, that was... Bobby's not in this one, but surprisingly, it's his sister. His sister, I think, plays basketball, collegiate basketball, I think. And it's like a five, it's not really a commercial. It's like a five-minute feature of him and his sister, and KFC is sponsoring it. So good for Tobias getting that, huh. that endorsement money. Oh, good for him. I didn't even know that. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tweet it at you. We're going to talk about the great... Allen Iverson, mostly quiet about concerning team activities regarding the Sixers, except for the fact that he wants a job with the club, of course. Um, however, he recently put out on social media his support for Ben Simmons, which I think shocked a lot of fans. It certainly shocked us. I shared it in our group Slack, and I think there was definitely some shock. Though he did apparently uh, did not tag the correct Ben Simmons Twitter account on uh Twitter, of course, when he posted it on there, but he the sentiment... And, he, he tagged the right one today. I think he, uh, he, he went back and did it. Okay, well, 
point being is that the sentiment was still there. It's a sweet sentiment. Um, and it basically said, um, follow God's plan, execute Lil Bro, at Ben Simmons, hashtag Philly Unite, hashtag best fan, fans in the world. And it's a picture of Ben looking up at the fans, at the scores table. So, Chris, and you're right, you can chime in on this if you want as well. Why do we think Allen Iverson came came out publicly to show Ben Simmons support on social media? Well, probably because he's a Sixer fan and Ben's still on the team and Ben's taking a lot of hate right now. Like, I don't think it's hard to see why. Um, you know, I clearly he used hashtag best fans in the world. There's sort of like a call for maybe the fan base to, uh, you know, for him to win back the fan base, I guess. You know, say if you execute and you play well, you can maybe do that. Like, I'm, I'm not rooting against Ben Simmons. I'm not at that point. I know some people are, and frankly, I think that's a bit misfortunate and misguided. But, like, I don't want Ben to fail. I'm not hoping that he comes out and stinks and gets traded for nothing the next day. Like, ideally, Ben comes out and he looks great and he looks more comfortable than he has been in the past. And he's putting up 20-point triple-doubles every night. That'd be awesome. I'd be super stoked for that. I, I don't want Ben to, like, fail in his career. I'm not I'm not that person, I guess. But, so, I'm, I'm with AI. Like, all for it, you know. Give him some support. Obviously, that's a key voice in Sixers legend. And the Sixers are trying to keep Ben around. Trying to convince him that Philly is the place long-term. I'm sure Iverson can't hurt in that respect. But... Do I think that this like actually matters to Ben? Is like a Twitter post? Probably not. But I I don't see any harm in it. I think he's looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Iris is trying to get his foot in the door. Sees this as an opportunity to connect with the players and and maybe be that bridge between the fan base and Ben Simmons. But it's to me it's too far too uh, too gone too far. Is that is that the terminology? But yeah, I. I why not? Too far gone, I think. Too far gone, gone, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, why not? He is Allen Iverson. He does represent the city in, in so many different aspects. And I do think that when Ben was a rookie, they spent a lot of time together. I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. pictures of them hanging out at parties and stuff. And so yeah, I I, I think Chris has some good points. Well, yeah. I'll I'll say this. Um, first off, I mean. Maybe it's AI looking for a job, and maybe maybe the Sixers asked him to do it. I could see that happening, too. Yeah. And that's okay if they asked him. Because, you know, how other players refer to AI as Bubba Chuck. I mean, Bubba Chuck's looking out for Ben, and that's okay. Um, and I think that's good. I think that's a good way to build bonds. If there's anybody in the that's you know connected to the Sixers organization that can make that can convince Ben to like try to like embrace this opportunity, it's going to be AI. It's not going to be Doc Rivers. It's not going to be Elton Brand. It's not going to be it's not going to be anybody else. It has to be AI because AI has been on the receiving end of like the fan base ire too. Because there have been seasons, and I'm sure Uriah is probably more familiar with this than either I or Chris, that you know there were times where the fan base wasn't completely behind AI for whatever reason. And, you know, I'm sure probably when those Detroit uh, rumors came out, that probably was not the easiest tension. But I'll say this, for me anyway, it did soften 
Now, I'm not saying that I'm pro Ben Simmons. That's not that is not what I'm saying here. But I'm just like, okay, well, if AI is trying to get us to listen, let's at least listen because AI's earned that from us. He's earned our respect enough to, if he's you know trying to encourage this young man to do better because he needs to do better, then I I'm not going to say I'm happy to listen, but I will listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look, we all read the Ramona Shelburne piece, right? The what? The Ramona Shelburne report that came out about a few years ago. Faking COVID. Yeah. I was yeah. yeah. That I, part, uh... I think, was a bit, like, irresponsible on her part. Like, that specific part of the report, I don't I don't buy any of that, frankly. Like, I, I don't buy I that. I mean, I'll say this. Ramona Shelburne's not a, you know, would-be reporter. She must have had pretty good re- no, sources. No, I, I have no doubt that people were speculating about that. But the way it was positioned in the article was for other people to speculate that he might have been. And I just don't think that's fair. Like, there's no... I, I don't buy that he was, frankly. If there's more to come on that, then, you know, I'm open to change my mind. But I don't think he was trying to dodge Game 7. Um, I, I, uh... But, my <laughs> it's not my point. In that article, you know, there's the part about Ben telling Doc and Daryl that he wants to go to a new team where he can, quote, make mistakes, right? That yep. Feels... We've, we've heard that all the way back from the McMullen piece when Brett said it. Yeah, look. If there isn't some part of you that, like, empathizes with Ben, I think we're going about this wrong. Like, I'm not saying you need to be, quote-unquote, pro-Ben. I'm not saying you don't, you can't advocate for a trade. But, like, on a human level, part of you, like, has to feel for Ben. I'm sure he doesn't feel very good about how the playoffs went. I'm well, sure. Well, how, well, yeah, what, whatever. And he turn, clearly wants yeah. to be gone, and now he he's still on a team that where he doesn't want to be. Like, it sucks for the Sixers, and it's unfortunate for the team. But like it also sucks for Ben. Like mm-hmm. like Ben is not probably very happy with where he is right now, and that like that's unfortunate. Are, I, and, and Chris and I, I get what you're saying, but some of it, not all of it, but some of it is self brought on. Yeah, sure, but yeah. yeah. So, like, but I I will say this. I will say this. That piece and it kind of reminded me of this a little bit more. Ben is being painted as a person who's not mentally strong at least in terms of being able to take criticism or being able well, let, to be me, in the spotlight let me talk about that yeah. i like a lot of people were like oh he's not wired like lebron he's not wired to be one of the great like very 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 few nba players are wired like lebron james that is just an absurd oh, okay 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 thought. real quick chris lebron wasn't lebron until he got his butt kicked in 2011 yeah, it's you need to, like, you need to go through those types uh, of losses. LeBron, Kobe, MJ, those guys are all very special for the mentality. LeBron, uh, uh, well, Uriah, LeBron Uriah. carried a a, a, a no name team, Cavs team. Oh, well, okay, Spurs. okay, but the, LeBron. Be, was always let's a let's be clear: the Pistons should have been in that finals, not LeBron. The Pistons just fell apart on defense that game. What was it? Game six? No, LeBron took over. You can't you can't say it was the Pistons' fault. It was LeBron ascending. He just didn't have enough firepower against Popovich. I would disagree with that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. The game six, okay. but game seven when you get beat by Booty Gibson is a problem, guys. <laughs> that that was a choke by them because Booty is... Gibson should not have been scoring thirty points anyway. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue like LeBron's legacy. I'm, okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> The idea that Ben wants to be on a new team where there's 
quote unquote less pressure, that doesn't necessarily mean he's soft. I, I don't just think that's fair. I mean, obviously it's not an ideal situation if you're Philly. Maybe he does, you know, Ramona reported about the Sixers making sports psychologists and stuff available. Maybe that is true and that he needs that help. But but I, here, I, here, I, here, I just here. think we need to empathize with the human more instead of just railing against and, him. And, and, and you make a valid point. And maybe maybe team. we should be more empathetic. But here here's the other thing, Chris. For like the first like three years of his career, actually until like lat, midway through last season, we're all begging him, like, we don't care if you miss. We don't care. We don't care if you miss. We just want you to try. Like, the fan base was behind him making mistakes. I, the coaching oh, I, staff, the coaching staff was behind him making mistakes. He did that to him. He put that limit on himself. Can I also add, Lucas, that if you look at his pregame warm-up and you look at all the off-season videos of him shooting... He, it's like he's doing it to himself. So how how can you have empathy for someone who no who, who no? Te- I, no, let I, me I finish. He te- he teases an entire fan base, and then he gets in the game where people pay good money, Chris. Well, you like, pay, good he's money not teasing the fan base. I think that's wrong. He's not in, really? he's not purposely so trying to set people shoot, up. So what's the point of shooting those those three pointers in, in warmups? What's the point? Probably I mean, so to be fair, better. Dwight Howard does it as well, but. Yeah, why does Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard's not a perimeter player, though. Ben Simmons is. Neither and he is knows ben. that that people need him to shoot. Ben has never trying. been a perimeter player in his life. Okay, but like, but Uriah, at this point, would we be happy if Ben was a seventy percent free throw shooter? Just seventy percent. I said that back in I think February. Yes. I think yeah. I said that. I, to I you guys, think that, like we don't want him. Okay to, like we don't him. care if he's a perimeter guys, shooter at this point. I think you're missing my point. I'm not saying Ben hasn't brought a lot of the criticism on himself, but even so. I, I think we can empathize with him struggling with these things without being like totally like, like I think there's broadly speaking too much like vitriol aimed at Ben right now. I think it's a human. You talk about humanity. Well, there's an aspect of, of human nature where people can express themselves and maybe have some type of, I don't know, like not apologetic tone, but, but he doesn't come across that way. He's so silent. He's so like stoic we have no idea what he's thinking. And I think the fans resent I mean, that because he doesn't show that he cares. Is being shy a bad thing? I'm shy. No. I, I don't like express things a lot to people. I'm that doesn't mean I don't. But care we've known that. since that McMullen piece that he's been shy, Uriah. To be fair, like we've known yeah. that like he's like he didn't want to play with the older kids. But yeah, I mean, it's hard with it's hard because how he handles it, Chris, makes it look like he doesn't care. And I'm sure he does care, but the way that he presents himself makes him look like he doesn't care. And that's that's where I think fans are having a hard time empathizing with him. And you know what? I mean, he, I... he wouldn't even have to say it himself. He could have Rich Paul read it read it in a press conference. He doesn't have to say it. He can get some. Well, okay. I don't think every fan would accept that, you're right. I think that I would know. seem a little bit disingenuous, to be All honest. Right. That would that would seem disingenuous to me to have then somebody has... else read how you feel like you got it you got that's a good point but i do think he could alleviate some of the the vitriol like chris said if he just came out and said like two but it's it's he's not a good like he's not like really a like he's not the type of guy at a press conference that's going to share a lot he has to make a choice and that's what life is about if i will i would say speak up be a man just speak up show a little bit of humility i think that i i will say this i think the most he's ever been animated like to interact with fans is on that twitch stream where he plays his games (laughs) um 
which I mean is is that's but you're right of that generation like that's that's normal way of communicating like yeah. I don't like it I'm sure you don't like it I mean I don't know Chris is that something you guys do like I don't I don't know if he plays video games plays <laughs> but, but, but my point games. is is that there is a medium for him to express it there is a way that he feels comfortable for him to express it that means like doing an IG post like Kyrie did fine like you don't have to do it in front of all the cameras. You can just do it on a little, like, you know what I mean. That's yeah, look, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying the fan base can't be critical of Ben. I'm not saying they can't suggest that he do things differently. But like, after that article, there's just a lot of like truly mean spirited stuff out on Twitter and on social. Like, at some point, there needs to be like some empathy with the player too. Like, even if he is struggling, and even if he doesn't quote unquote have the right mindset to be a star, that's something we can like like empathize with that, that that doesn't need to be something we just rail against continuously like like i don't think anyone should be anti-ben right like no one should be rooting against him i think that's just a bit far so our social media question of the week it was actually two parts uh because of the news that popped up of ben simmons returning to practice so the first poll that went out i think chris put it out i, I did actually oh lucas did i'm sorry yeah it says Without Ben Simmons on the Sixers roster, where do you predict the team will end up in the standings? 33% of people who voted said they would be a top three team. 62% of the people who answered said they'd be uh, between four and six. And then 5% said they'd be a play-in tournament. The second one that came out a few hours later flipped it where it says if the Sixers have an active Ben Simmons, where does the team finish in the standings? 78% 78% said top three seed. So looks like most fans think that Ben makes the team better. Uh, 19% a four through six seed and then 3% playing. So what do you guys think of that? So let, let me go off the first one here. Um, if we're going without Ben, I like, like, I, I honestly think that they could be a play in now with Ben, I think they're spot on. I think top three team. You know, you got Brooklyn, you got Milwaukee, but outside of those two, I mean, with Ben, you're still better than pretty much everybody else. Miami's not going to be a regular season team. You really got to worry about because they're going to be resting their veterans more. So you 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 got to worry about Miami in the playoffs, but not during the regular season. And then outside of them, like who do you really have? And then maybe the Hawks, maybe. I mean, it depends. We haven't seen them under a full season of Nate McMillan. Uh, then you still have um, what the Boston Celtics, who are primed for a bounce back. So I mean, yeah, there's there's places where this could, you know, be very easy for the Sixers if Ben plays at the level, even if he plays at the level that he was at last year, which was a career low for him in terms of offensive output. Um, they could still be a top three team because. They were, you know, the top seed in the East last year. So, and that was with Brooklyn mainly having one or two stars. So, I mean, and they're going to have two stars, it looks, for like the foreseeable future. So, and Milwaukee's still pretty primed and ready to go. So, I mean, we'll see. But I think they could be a top three team with Ben, and they might be a possible play-in tournament without Ben. So, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I buy that. Um, I, I think playing tournament is probably the floor. If Ben eventually decides to hold out, I like, that's just a huge hole. 
I would probably still agree with like the fans though. I think four to six is probably the range I would bet on, quote unquote. But with Ben, they're probably in that top three conversation, maybe still four to six. The East got a lot better this year. Brooklyn and Milwaukee are going to be really good regular season teams. Miami is going to be a good regular season team. The Hawks, I think the Bulls are going to be really good. The Bulls, I don't want to take take too much away from preseason. The Bulls, at least offensively, are going to kick Yeah, yeah, offensively, we knew that. But defensively is the issue for them. Yeah, but a good offensive team can probably be a two or three seed, I think. Um, The East is a lot deeper this year, man. Yeah, I think the Bulls are good. Like, they have three all-star level players and Alonzo Ball. Like, that's a good team. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I, I think four to six is a safe bet if they don't have been. If they do have been... I'd probably say like two, three, four. I don't think they'll be the one seed again just because it's hard to be the one seed two years in a row. It doesn't happen a ton. And the Ben Simmons stuff is still really weird. There's a good chance they trade him. Like, I just wouldn't bet on being the one seed again. But I, I think like two to seven is probably their range overall, which is a big net, like a giant range, a wide net cast, but there's a pretty wide range of possible outcomes with this team right now. So that's, that's where I'm at. All right. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. If you can, please like subscribe, continue to follow along each week. You can follow us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play audible, or wherever else you get your podcast. If we're there, and you're listening to us, then keep listening to us. You can also listen on our website, thesixersense.com. Follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. Please leave a review and give us five stars if you can help it. Let us know how we're doing in the comments section. And until next time, have a good week, everyone, and go Sixers! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.